Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us in the name of Jesus Christ. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, stagnancy, all of this let it depart from the tents of your holy people. And stand, Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness. And may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arcadi into your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to guide it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. May you be blessed and you may be seated. The book of Matthew 5, 45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called, Called to Perfection. We know that this promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and it is addressed, this commandment, by Christ strictly to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the authority of a person sent by God over themselves do not have any part to this commandment, and it is doubtful that they will ever be able to. Considering this, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect means to love the righteous as God loves them and hate the unrighteous as God hates them, pouring His blessing from the mouth of His messengers upon the righteous and His kindled wrath upon the unrighteous. Relevant to fulfilling this decree and commandment to be vigilant over the word of God within your heart, as God is vigilant of the spoken by Him word in the temple of our body, we stop to study the following question. What specific goals is the righteousness of God called to pursue with which we collaborate with within our heart and in part upon the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the broken tablets of the covenant <clears throat> in which we in the death of the Lord Jesus died through the law <clears throat> for the law so that in the new tablets of the covenant signifying the resurrection of Christ we can receive justification so that we can re live for the one who died for us and resurrected and in this way obtain confirmation of our salvation in new tablets of the covenant to provide God with legitimate grounds upon which to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like how he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith, Romans 4.13. 
Considering this, we've noted that the righteousness of faith making us heirs of the peace of God is identified by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God presented in the preached word of the messengers of God with the one that represents to us a father of God as our head. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people who obey their word within the order of hierarchical subordination in accordance to which God sends us his word by the mouth of the messengers of God. Therefore, the covenant of peace in the heart of a warrior in prayer is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God in the words of the messengers of God. Therefore, by the means of the righteousness of faith, the covenant of peace presented in the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be within our heart evidence of the fact that we are the children of God because the fruit of righteousness grown in the Eden of our heart reveals itself in the covenant of peace which is called to keep our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ. This is the fruit that we need to grow. If we don't grow this fruit, we will not be able to keep our minds and hearts in Jesus Christ. Because the scriptures say, the kind of thoughts you have is who you are. Only when our thoughts are in Jesus Christ, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, 6, 7. The fruit of righteousness produced by us within the atmosphere of the peace of God, able to keep our mind in Jesus Christ, is the glorious seal of God upon our foreheads, serving as evidence of the fact that we are God's holiness and God's belonging or personal possession. And the seal of God makes itself known upon our foreheads in spiritual thinking, which serves as an atmosphere of life and peace. These are the mind of Christ within our spirit. to be carnally minded as death but to be spiritually minded as life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can be so then those that are in the flesh cannot please God Romans 8 6 through 8 according to the given statement we conclude that people who refuse the condition to obey the faith their faith to the faith of God are the very same haters of Christ having the mark of the beast upon their foreheads who have not placed who have no place in the infrastructure of the peace of God and are not able to. And consequently, such people have no part and cannot have any part to the sons of peace, who by the means of the peace of God could have inherited eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to apprehend well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind, which is in Jesus Christ, are we called to enthrone the resurrection of Christ within our body and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ that is the incorrupt pearl the resurrection of Christ needs to be renewed and so this is fruit that we grow we receive in the form of a seed and grown to fruit We stop to study the fourth question, by what signs are we called to examine ourselves as to whether we are truly the sons of peace, which identifies us as the sons of God and as his holy ones. Because only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart do we examine ourselves as to whether we truly are the sons of God. As it is written, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, Matthew 5, 9.
Therefore, we should never forget, if a person has not died for his nation, the house of his father, and for his life in the flesh, then his justification which he received in salvation by faith in Jesus Christ in the format of a seed of, or a guarantee will never be able to convert into the format of righteousness where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the promised by God inheritance of the peace of God so that he can produce the fruits of peace in the form of the resurrection of Christ into which he will clothe himself when God will uh, will want this to, to take place or happen, which is why the prepared for them crown of righteousness will be taken from such people, which would have given them the right to the promise of peace, where they would have been able to be called sons of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelations 3.11, hold fast your justification and turn it to profit so that it can obtain the quality of righteousness. The fruit of righteousness within our heart in the format of the peace of God makes itself known in spiritual thinking, which are the seal of God upon our foreheads. Specifically, the seal of God upon our foreheads, which make, make themselves known in our spiritual thoughts, is specifically evidence of the fact that we are the sons of peace, which serves for God as a legitimate foundation to fulfill His part of the covenant of peace so that He can lead us into the inheritance of His Son so that we can share with Him the accomplishment of all that is written about him in the laws, prophets, and psalms in a specific format. We already looked at six signs, which in their consistency allow us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore the sons of God and stop to study the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe ourselves into the essence of the holy or selective love of God. But above all these things, but above, but above all these things put on love which is the bond of perfection and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which also you were called in one body and be thankful Colossians 3 14 15 we've noted that the rule of the peace of God in our hearts is only possible upon one condition and that is if the known by a selective love of God will abide within our heart and we will be clothed into the holiness of its burning zeal Specifically, apprehending with your heart the holy or selective love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or to make us perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect so that we can, so that we obtain the ability, like God, to be vigilant of His words which we have concealed within our heart so that we can shine our sun upon the righteous and unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the just and the unjust according to the implemented by God law as a blessing for some and as a punishment for others. In scripture, the selective love of God, the holy love of God, is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging qualities or components by the preached word of his apostles and prophets. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 8. We've noted that in essence the love of God agape is a sovereign love, which is unconditional specifically for those people whom she chooses with within her right to foreknow and predestine. In other words, she chooses them before the creation of the world. God sees ahead of time because of his essence, his ability to see. Before he created the world, he saw these people, they were in Jesus Christ. He put them in, placed them in Jesus Christ. Who did he place in Jesus Christ before the creation of the world? 
those people who, hearing the truth, did not spit on the truth. Don't spit into its face, but worship it and will say, may your will be done. They will die for their nation, their nationality, for the house of their father, upon the condition if the house of their father will be resisting the truth and will die for their corrupt desires. And so that's how their conscience will be cleansed from dead works. And into this conscience, you, you can then uh, imprint the elementary teaching of Christ, which will then allow the Holy Spirit to come as Lord and Master to reveal the truth that has already been imprinted in our heart. The Holy Spirit will never come into the heart of a person as Lord and Master if the in the elementary teaching of Christ is not imprinted upon a clean or pure conscience. But you say, I speak in tongues, this is the Holy Spirit. No, it is your spirit that speaks. The Holy Spirit came to you and gave your spirit the ability to speak in tongues, submerging you in the death of the Lord Jesus. This was in the format of a seed or guarantee you needed to turn it to profit so that this baptism would become a true baptism to you. In, ba- in baptisms, we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and our corrupt desires, but you have not died for them. Your character remains. You speaking in tongues don't change your character. Because of its sovereignty, the selective love of God never violates the sovereign rights of those people who she has chosen and never allows her own personal boundaries to be violated, identified as burning holiness in a specific format of the seven characteristics of virtue which together or united identify the goodness of God within our heart we already studied five and stopped to study the sixth and this is the call to demonstrate the love of God agape in brotherly love In the Holy Scriptures, the power and measure of the selective love of God functioning within the atmosphere of brotherly love is identified and known exclusively by the power and measure of the hatred of God for evil and evildoers who do this evil. You you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness, therefore God your God has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. Hebrews 1.9 More than your companions. I anointed you with the oil of gladness because you have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. And this uh, joy cannot be uh, dimmed or, or silenced. The more a person experiences, the more uh, he will have this joy. This is God's peace. We know that evil identified in man in hatred coming from their jealousy and the arrogance of their mind and heart and the good also that identified that is identified in man in brotherly love are programs the carriers of which they are a program by itself does not work without a programmable system therefore to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is possible only in its carriers who are their programmable systems as it is written the lord tests the righteous but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates he tests his programs. He tests these programs, uh, his program as well as the program of the fallen cherubim uh, in the in its in their carriers. 
But the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. This is how the Lord loves the wicked. Those who have a tolerant mentality, who always try to state for themselves and others that God loves everyone. God loves us just as we are. God loves us when we as are as He is, not as we are, but as when we are as He is. He loves those in His likeness. For the Lord is righteous, He loves righteousness, His countenance beholds the upright. Psalm 11, 5-7 When it says, uh, His countenance beholds the upright, that means His face is attracted to the face of the upright. He falls in love with, He is inspired by, He it is pleasant for Him to look upon the face of the righteous. He wants to see such a face. Relevant to this, as in the previous characteristics of the virtue of God, in His unique for us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in these seven characteristics, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin of the natural essence of the fruit of virtue revealing itself in the heart of man in the love of God agape within the atmosphere of brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is the love of God agape called to fulfill in our demonstrating our, our faith within the atmosphere of brotherly love? What conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can receive power to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith in the love of God agape within the atmosphere of brotherly love? And by what signs can we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape within the atmosphere of brotherly love? In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to study question three. What can conditions do we need to fulfill so that we can demonstrate the love of God in our faith within the atmosphere of brotherly love. First condition, providing God the legitimate foundation upon which to pour out His love into our heart is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. This was a component that we have studied and we stopped to study the second which allows God to pour out His love into our hearts within the atmosphere of brotherly love. This is to demonstrate the element of salt in the grown by us fruit of holiness. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 This is a very important discipline that we are allocating sufficient time to. According to the revelations of Scripture, the presence of salt, signifying the quality of holiness, is formed in man because of his absolute dedication to God, which precedes, which is preceded by absolute or total sanctification, making him an island which is being washed by the cleansing waters of sanctification, specifically presenting our bodies as a, as a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God for our reasonable service, makes us the salt of the earth and clothes us into the virtue of holiness, which identifies the soil of our heart as good or wise. When does a person have salt in himself, or when does he receive, uh, when he becomes salt? For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt, when his prayer corresponds to the demands of an offering then he is salted because upon the altar there's a fire and in this fire a person is salted and this fire is the Holy Spirit upon the altar who with his fire salts the offering 
thoughts, the prayers that correspond uh, or, or, or are in accordance to an offering. Salt for everyone will be seasoned with fire. Every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if this, the salt loses its flavor, how will it be seasoned? How will you season it? Have salt in yourself and have peace with one another. Mark 9, 49, 50. Although all the sheep in nature are pure animals, the one that is holy, however, is the one that is separated for offering upon the altar of burnt offering to be salted by the salt of the covenant. Holy is separated. And so holy is always pure. Pure is not always holy. Remember the woman that cleaned up her house and it was clean. And then one of the evil ones that she had cleansed it from comes to look and he sees that no one's living in the house. The house is cleansed, but it didn't become holy. A person did not become an offering. He did not deny his nationality, the house of his father, and his life in the flesh. He, he cleansed himself, but he did not become holy. He did not separate himself. And so he then takes seven more evil than himself, and they come in and live in this house. And then for this religious person, religious church, religious uh, congregation, it shall be worse for them than previously. And you'll see as a result, these occult and possessed individuals, that doesn't mean that they will be uh, foaming at the mouth they will uh, jump up and down, they will uh, quack, they will do all kinds of other, they'll have all kinds of so-called healing, they will be false healing, false uh, miracles and signs, and so when they're going to rebuke demons, they will actually be drawing demons into people instead of actually rebuking them, and they'll be receiving the evil spirit as the Holy Spirit, that's what will what will happen and has already happened with certain congregations. Look at the hooliganism that's going on in the in, in churches today. Look what they've done. Look what they've converted worship into. They they literally are demonic and, and do things as if on a disco. They've perverted the Holy Scriptures. They have evangelism. They have good work. Yes, they are trying to take something from theocracy, but they have a dictatorship, not theocracy. Theocracy is the authority of God's love agape, where we obey one another because uh, voluntarily, but there will be a dictatorship. If you don't jump, and, jump up and down, you will be uh, excommunicated from the church. If our offering, which consists of our prayer intercessions, is not brought upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering so that it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we will not have the right to intercede in the status of warriors in prayer having the virtue of priests of God. And furthermore, we will not be able to have the rightful status to enter the sanctuary so that we can approach God. Holiness is the state of our heart which makes itself known in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then accompanied by actions drawing God's favor or His benevolence upon us. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. 
an attempt to demonstrate peace out of the boundaries of holiness and not as a demonstration of holiness transforms us into sons of resistance and perdition. Demonstrating the fruit of holiness and prayer is confirming your origin, giving us the legitimate grounds or foundation to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Specifically, the qualities of holiness demonstrated by us in prayer gives us the right to come into the presence of God, which we present to God as evidence that we are holy or are His belonging, His children, since only holy men can present the interests of God's holiness by achieving their sanctification, pursuing the goal of dedication to serve God. And so what is holy? The word holy is born from God, born for God, coming this, we're talking about one, uh, an individual, a person born for God, coming or originating from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, the possession and holiness of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, is in God's likeness, entering God's lot, partaking in authoritative power with God, and so forth. The word holy identifies the inner state of our heart, making our heart identical to the heart of God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies a demonstration of this state, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our originating in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer in the virtue of kings, priests, and prophets, and gives God the legitimate foundation that He needs to bow down His heavens to us so that He can turn His favor toward us. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning, and scatter them. Shoot out your arrows, and destroy them. Stretch out your hands from above. Rescue me, and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners, whose mouth speak lying words, and whose right hand is the right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant, from the deadly sword, Psalm 144, 5 through 10. We more than once have no, have paid attention to the fact that our prayer in the form of a new song upon the harp of ten strings identifying the quality of holiness is called to bow down the heavens to us from which pours the selective love of God. It is not for everyone, but only for those people whom God foreknew before the creation of the world. In scripture, the phrase, bow down your heavens, when it's talking about God doing this for man, <clears throat> means incline your ear to the prayer of man. Attentively listen to the praying person. God does not listen to the sinner. He li- listens to a righteous person. You'll say, but what if I sin? If you sin, that doesn't mean you're a sinner. The righteous can sin, but he remains righteous. The righteous will fall seven times, but rides again. If your child whom you are leading or holding by the hand and he wants to let go of your hand and go independently from you he stumbles and falls he breaks he hurts his knee uh, what do you just continue to walk and say well you're no longer my son you stop you lift him out of the mud you wash his wound and you tell him I told you you need to hold my hand but when you grow up then you will be able to walk next to me independently but right now I need to hold you by the hand because you will constantly fall into the mud. The righteous will fall seven times or rise again. The wicked will fall but not rise again. 
Righteousness is within our spirit. Our spirit is born from God. It is not sinful in its origin, in its nature. And so when we sin, we sin because of things that come from out of us and not from our spirit. And so when sin comes from out of us and we sin because of this, we don't. God does not account this sin to us. He doesn't account upon the condition that we acknowledge the sin, we repent in the sin and we restore ourselves before Him. And in repentance, we perform a triumphant victory over sin. And so to provide God with legitimate grounds to bow down His heaven so that He can pour out His holy love into our heart, it is necessary to present an argument of your origination to God demonstrated in the fruit of holiness within the atmosphere of brotherly love as well as out of it. Since holiness is a demonstration of the fruit of righteousness brought by a holy person or a person who is born from God. But now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Romans 6.22 When a person becomes free from sin, when his soul is free from the dependence of the old man, when he's free from his, when she's free from her husband, as Abigail became free of Nabal, he after 10 days died. The law destroyed him. And then she can then become the wife of David. A person cannot become a wife of Christ if he is not yet free from the law that discovers sin in him and gives power to the sin in him. It's saying that when you have been set been set free from sin, you have become slaves of God and you and have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life. Looking at the given definition, we conclude that if a person will not be free from sin by casting off the old man, he cannot become a servant of God to to then demonstrate the salt of holiness. You say, well, when does this happen? We talked about as soon as you by faith receive the promise, the scriptures say, the command says, count yourself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaim the not existent as existent. As soon as you agree with this and you uh, separate yourself from your emotions, your lusts, and don't acknowledge their uh, their decisions, you don't agree with it, yes, it's there, yes, it's burning, but you don't acknowledge it, and the Lord accounts this to you as righteousness. And when periodically this lust takes control over you, and the devil begins to rejoice, saying, well, you said you're free. You say, the Lord, come, I'm free. I'm free. You say you're, you need to proclaim this freedom, that you are free, and you need to say, I've received it from the Lord, this freedom, and I am free, and I am righteous. And so you don't continue to remain in the mud. You rise out of it, you confess your sins, and again you rejoice, and you keep going forward strongly strongly holding on to the right hand of God the right hand are the words the preached words uh, spoken by the messengers of God righteousness the right hand to demonstrate the salt of holiness it is first necessary to be born from listening to the imperishable seed of the word of God not just hearing but listening To hear is just to hear, but to listen is to obey that which 
we hear. Therefore, you can only be holy because of your originating from God. And so you originate that way from God. You don't become holy because of your deeds. You are born from a holy God. A holy God cannot bear unholy children. It's always interesting to me when a person says, I am born from God, but at the, when you ask them, are you holy? He says, no, I'm not yet holy. But I say, how is it then? God bore an unholy person being holy himself. Do you understand that you're contradicting yourself? Who taught you this foolishness? With this foolishness, you'll end up in hell and not salvation. And to master the essence and difference between the identification of holy and the identification of holiness in the relationship of man and God, it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions. What does it make of itself? What is it? And how is the characteristic of the love of God in holiness identified? What purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill within the relationship of God with man and man with God? What price do we need to pay to demonstrate the love of God in holiness so that you can collaborate with the holiness of God and by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we have the element of salt in ourselves identifying holiness, specifically presenting the quality of holiness, identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to provide God with legitimate grounds upon which to pour out his love into our hearts and be a legitimate field in the relationship of God and man and man with God. In a specific format, we already looked at the identification of the seven qualities of holiness when it comes to God and each other and stop to study the purpose of the characteristics of holiness in our relationship with God and with one another. Second question, what purpose is the cooperation of the grown by us fruit of holiness and the holiness of God called to fulfill in our relationship with God and our relationship with one another? We have been studying the purpose of the holiness of God when we ha- we have been studying it in cooperation with the fruit of holiness grown in the Eden of our heart because specifically the result of such a cooperation is called to be the only legitimate field in our relationship with God and with one another. Therefore, the purpose of salt in cooperation of the grown by his fruit of holiness with the holiness of God in the relationship we have with God as well as the relationship we have with one another is of many meanings, is multifaceted and multifunctional. Relevant to this, we decided to limit ourselves to seven components in the cooperation of the grown by us fruit of holiness with the holiness of God in his elective love, by which we will be able to judge about the purpose of holiness in any other of our specific formats of relationship with God, considering that four of the components in the cooperation of the grown by us fruit of holiness and the holiness of God have already been studied, we will therefore turn to number five. The fifth component of the purpose of the quality of holiness in the relationship we have with God and with one another is called to reveal within our heart a covert or hidden disobedience to God in our disobedience to the delegated authority of God in our churches. This is a coverted, this is a, a, a hidden disobedience, a concealed disobedience to God that is disobeying the authority of God, His messenger. The holiness of God reveals this, for God did not call us to uncleanness, but to holiness. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, 8. According to the given revelation, identifying the purpose of the holiness of God in his elective love, making itself known in the atmosphere of brotherly love, we conclude that 
be that an individual person, an individual church, or an individual religious movement, if they have not placed themselves in willing and voluntary dependence of the person that is placed by God who gives the authority was given the authority of a father of God, then such a person, such a church, or such a religious movement, because they reinforce and establish themselves in their own personal righteousness, which they see in their own personal good work, they reject in this way the righteousness that is by faith, which identifies the order of God, and therefore they do not obey God. They become haters of Christ, they resist Christ, they are anti-Christs. Just as the Apostle has said, Antichrists are already present, and you know who they are because they came out from us. If they would have been ours they, with us, they would, ours or with us, they would have remained, but they came out from us. <clears throat> Therefore, to accomplish our calling in cooperation of our grown fruit of holiness and the holiness of God, by the means of which He has promised to pass us under his rod so that he can lead us into the bonds of his holy covenant so that he can purge from the the midst of the chosen by him remnant the rebels and those who transgress against him so that he can bring them out of the country where they dwell but not allow them to enter into the land of Israel. An interesting prophecy, Ezekiel 20, 37-38. I will make you pass under the rod the rod of his mouth, my law that I will speak, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant. I will purge the rebels from among you, and those who transgress transgress against me, I will bring them out of the country where they dwell. But they shall not enter the land of Israel, then you will know that I am the Lord. Ezekiel 20, 37, 38. The bonds of the Holy Covenant is the dedication of the members of our mortal body as slaves of righteousness. Bonds, we need to bind ourselves because this is uh, servitude or slavery when we bind ourselves with bonds of the Holy Covenant. When a person hears about the limitation of the desires and thoughts of the flesh by the bonds of the covenant, in this way the Holy Spirit reveals the person's own personal righteousness, which does not obey the righteousness of God and members him to the category of rebels. Therefore, first the nature of land where the rebels and transgressors are is the church of saints in the form of such a field where the wheat grows together with the weeds. This is such a church where uh, the weeds and the wheat have not been separated, the weeds have not been plucked out, they're still growing together and they have not revealed themselves or made themselves known yet. Second, the nature of land where the rebels and transgressors are is the mortal body where sin governs in the form of your husband, identifying the essence of their old man being supported by the fallen cherubim. The nature of the land of Israel into which God will lead his saints who obey the statutes of the covenant is the clothing of their mortal bodies into the pearl of incorruption. The nature of land where the rebels and transgressors will be when they will already be gathered and bound into bundles is the synagogue of Satan, which together represent the woman that sits upon the scarlet scarlet beast. The category of people that are present and in the midst of a religious confession, but not depending on the religious human postulates of these confessions, are wheat. 
At the same time, the category of people who are in the midst of any religious confession and who depend on the postulates of this religious confession are weeds because they receive what is not in Scripture. They receive the perverted truth. Therefore, an organic dependence of rebels and insubordinates in a specific religious confession is a welcoming soil for reinforcing the the demonstration of their own personal righteousness, which is contrary or against the righteousness that is by faith. When it says that God will bring the rebels and transgressors out of the congregation they they are in, but will not lead them into the land of Israel, this means that these rebels and transgressors are weeds that will be picked from the church where they were so that he can bind them into bundles of, of satanic synagogues so that he not allowed them into the land of Israel representing our body clothed into the pearl of incorruption which is why the gathering of saints remaining in these religious denominations will become free of the religious strongholds that bind them identifying their dependence on their confession <coughs> When the Lord leads them out, <clears throat> we will no longer be depend, be depending on our denominations or confessions that we're in. If we were Pentecostals, we remain Pentecostals, but we are not dependent on this denomination. As soon as a denomination of Pentecostals, Baptists, uh, Jehovah Witness, whatever you may be, if it is a denomination, then it is a, a typical sect. It dominates a person. A person needs to freely be there and not depend on the denomination, the confession itself. As soon as we are free from the dependence of our denomination, we turn on all confessions or denominations in ourselves, but not the dominance of them over ourselves. We become orthodox. We we serve correctly. We become Catholic. Uh, we become Pentecostals, Baptists, <clears throat> Presbyterians, and also the, the Seventh-day Adventists, because we understand what the Seventh-day the Sabbath means. When you say you're Pentecostal or Orthodox, are you Baptist? You can say yes to all of these. I once was preaching, and I was preaching about the Holy Spirit, and a few people approached me and said, what right do you have to preach about the Holy Spirit? You're a Baptist. Because I was showing there that I was a Baptist, and I said, who are you? And they said, we're Pentecostal. And I told, I asked them, how's it you being a Pentecostal, how, you, how can you become a Pentecost of the best Pentecostal faith without being a Baptist? Because baptism is being submerged in water. Are you Baptist in water? Uh, they said, yes, then you are Baptist. But if you are not baptized in water and you say you're of the Pentecostal faith, you deceive yourself. You cannot be. You are. You don't have a connection to the liberty of Christ, freedom from sin. Pentecostal is uh, being freed from sin. This is a state that you are in. You're free from sin. Because many speak in tongues uh, today in, in many different denominations. There are more baptized with the Holy Spirit uh, in the Catholic faith today than even the Pentecostal faith. But they remain Catholics. 
many Baptists re received uh, the gift of speaking in tongues, but they remain being Baptists and stay in their churches and are called Baptists. And so when we are freed from these uh, from these people that depend on the denomination, and then this way their church transforms into a house of prayer for all nations, uh, when they're freed from such people, where, uh, where Apostle Peter, because of the revelation of the Holy Spirit, borrowed words from the 128th Psalm of David and said in the, in the house of the Ro Roman centurion, then Peter opened his mouth and said, In the truth I perceive that God shows no partiality, but in every nation whoever fears him and works righteousness and accepted by him. Acts 10, 34-35 Looking at this concept, we conclude that the cooperation of the grown by us fruit of holiness with the holiness of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love consists in gathering the weeds in the form of rebels and transgressors and separating them from the wheat, binding them into bundles so that you can then approach the harvest of wheat. Matthew 13, 27-30 so the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How, did, how then does it have tares? He said to them, An enemy has done this. The servants said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of the harvest, I will say, because this is when you'll be able to identify the wheat and the weed, weeds how they're different from one another while they have not yet grown the wheat and the weeds uh, look no different they look the same I will say to the reapers first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them but gather the wheat into my barn Matthew 13 20 27 through 30 summing up the given component we conclude that the cooperation of the grown by his fruit of holiness with the holiness of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love is always the work of illuminating process of an of an illuminating process where God cleanses and separates what is pure from what is impure what is holy from what is unholy so that he can bind certain people into bundles of synagogue of Satan so that he can then cast them into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels and the other to make them ready to have their body clothed into the pearl of incorruption. Sixth component in the purpose of the quality of holiness in the relationship we have with God and with one another is called to serve as a guarantee of our salvation together with our household. For Adam was for formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, holiness with self-control. First Timothy 2.13 15. The phrase, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing means, nevertheless, she will be saved with the born to her children if you continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. And so, again, I say the phrase, nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing means, nevertheless, she will be saved with the born to her children. If the salt of the covenant revealing itself in the temple of our body in the fruit of holiness will be absent in the demonstration of our faith within the atmosphere of brotherly love, then all of the above-listed virtues will lose their significance. Specifically, the salt of the covenant making itself known in the fruit of holiness brings about our faith in the virtue of righteousness, which in turn makes itself known in the virtue of modesty. 
considering that the righteousness of our faith consists in obedience to the faith of God in the preached words of the person who is clothed by the Holy Spirit into the authority of a father of God, the quality of modesty in Hebrew obtains such definitions. Modesty implied in the word self-control is wisdom, restraint, disciplining of the tongue, good sense, the judgment of Christ, the restraint of Christ, humility, faithfulness shown in the perseverance of Christ, obedience to God, obeying the words of his messengers, reverence, honor, prudence, or bashfulness. Speaking of the quality of prudence or bashfulness, it is not referring to a lack of confidence, but rather a noble or godly prudence which does not allow a person to do something shameful in his thoughts, words, actions, as well as clothing that may arouse the sexual instincts of the opposite gender. Titus 2, 1 through 8, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience, the older women likewise. Why? It's strange. Why, why not the younger? It's when it says older women. Why? Because often older uh, older individuals try to look younger and they start reveal revealing actually certain parts of the body thinking that this is more attractive uh, or better to do. The older women, likewise, that they may rev- be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient in their own hus- to their own husbands, that the word of God may be blessed, that the word may may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works. Titus at this time was a young person in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed having nothing evil to say of you. Titus 2, 1 through 8. According to what is written so that in cooperation of the grown by his fruit of holiness with the holiness of God, we provide God with legitimate grounds he needs to separate us from the sons of perdition so that we can inherit salvation with our children by the means of our abiding in faith, love, holiness, and self-control. It is necessary by being instructed in faith to allow the truth of the word in the power of the Holy Spirit by the pros- by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ to separate us from our nation, the house of our Father, and the corrupt desires of our soul, which together or united in is our genetic inheritance passed on to us by the sin- sinful seed of our fathers in the flesh, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spots, spot he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you who through him believe in god who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your your faith and hope are in god since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren love one another fervently with a pure heart having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of god which lives and abides forever because all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of the grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Now this is the word which by the gospel was preached to you. First Peter 1, 18 through 25. 
<clears throat> to receive salvation for your household <clears throat> in the form of the born to us children <clears throat> to receive salvation again for your household in the form of the born to us children is not to be done based on how our children perceive the truth but instead by the received uh, to us information or bias information consisting in the faith of God of who God is for us or for our household in Jesus Christ what God has done for our household in Jesus Christ and who our household is to God in Jesus Christ usually we say to us who he is to us but here I'm applying household because the promises when you uh, you will be saved with your household and I, I want all of us uh, to hear this well because I know some of our children are not where we would like them to be. But judge about your children not based on how they uh, regard God or the truth, but how God uh, is toward you and to, toward your children, that He gave you the promise, and you need to not look at what your children are doing, <clears throat> but what God has done for your children. Thank God. <clears throat> and picture your daughter or son sitting at your side when they're not there and every time coming to church say in, for, in yourself thank you Lord that my daughter is sitting by my side thank you Lord that my son is sitting by my side because faith proclaims the not existent as existent and we need to proclaim the not existent as existent in the in the situation where God has said to do so we can't just say whatever we want but we're called to proclaim what God wants what God desires he said you and your house will be saved summing up the given component in the cooperation of our our holiness with the holiness of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love we conclude that if by being instructed in the faith we will not be separated by the means of the holiness of God consisting in the blood of the cross of Christ from the perilous or disastrous seed inherited by us from the sinful life of our fathers then this will mean only one thing that we have not grown the fruit of holiness for the cooperation with the holiness of God which is why our names will be blotted out of the book of life and we together with our children will lose our salvation only upon the condition maybe that our children will separate from us and will remain faithful and remain in the in the land of Israel as the sons of Korah part of the sons of Korah perished with him but the other part uh, died for their father and separated from him seventh component in the purpose of the quality of holiness in the relationship we have with God and with one another is called in the last days to bring the armies of Gog into the land of Israel to demonstrate the holiness of the Lord over them to fulfill or execute the verdict of the judgment because he intends to settle scores with the land of Israel now the word of the Lord came to me saying son of man set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am against you, O God, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, Meshech, and Tubal. And so I am against you, Gog, who is 
who governs over, rules over Rosh, Meshek, and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks into your jaw, and lead you out with all your army, horses, and horsemen, all splendidly clothed, a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Persia, Ethiopia, and and Libya are with them, all of them with shield and helmet. Gomer and all its troops, the house of Tagorma from the far north, and all its troops, many people are with you. Prepare yourself and be ready, you and all your companies that are gathered about you, and be a guard for them. After many days you will be visited, in the latter days you will be you will come into the land of those brought back from the sword and gathered from many people on the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They were brought out of the nation, and now all of them dwell safely. Dwell safely. You will ascend, coming like a storm, covering the land like a cloud, you and all your troops and many peoples with you. Thus says the Lord God, on that day it shall come to pass that thoughts will arise in your mind, and you will make an evil plan. You will say, I will go up against a land of unwalled villages, I will go to a peaceful people who dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having neither bars nor gates, to take plunder, to take booty, to stretch out your hand against the waste places that are again inhabited and against the people gathered from the nations who have acquired livestock and goods who dwell in the midst of the land. Sheba, Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish and all their young lions will say to you, Have you come to take plunder? Have you gathered your army to take booty, to carry away silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, to take great plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, Thus says the Lord God, On that day when my people Israel dwell safely, will you not know it? Then you will come from your place out of the far north, you and your many na- many peoples with you, all of them riding on horses, a great company, and a mighty army. You will come again up against my people Israel like a cloud to cover the land. It will be the latter days that I will bring you against my land so that the nation may know me when I am hallowed to in you, O God, before their eyes. Ezekiel, Ezekiel 38 1 through 16. The name Gog means a precious golden vessel. He is a Reubenite. That is how one of the princes were called one of the sons of Reuben, the son of Shemaiah, whose name means harmony from a sound perspective, and the name Shemei means the Lord has heard. The sons of Joel were Shemaiah, his son, Gog, his son. Shimei his son, Micah his son, Riah his son, and Baal his son, and Bera his son, whom Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, carried into captivity. He was leader of the Reubenites. First Chronicles 5, 4 through 6. It's possible you will ask, what relevance does Gog, the prince from the tribe of, of Reuben, have to the demonic prince also named Gog? The answer is that there is not any. The thing is, when the overshadowing cherubim and his angels sinned, they were deprived of all virtue consisting in their names. They were deprived of their names. They became nameless. Therefore, not the demonic princes or their angels have the virtues presented in the names that they call themselves. Since if the angel of darkness impersonates himself as an angel of light, then this does not mean that he is an angel of light. However, when a person possesses the virtue of any name, gives place or way to the devil, the devil then receives the right to be called by the name of this person, but does not have the right to be this name. He receives the right to be called the name, but not the right to be the name itself. 
The next two names claimed by the demonic princes are Meshech and Tubal, who are led by Gog. These are the names of the sons of Japheth, Noah's grandsons. The demonic prince who has claimed for himself the name Gog, one of the princes, one of the sons of Reuben, who was the subordinate to Meshech and Tubal, embodies the gen- the Gentile, hateful to God, world power called the European Union, symbolizing the prior Roman Empire during the time of which they crucified Christ. To perform judgment upon the mountains of Israel, which represents in the temple of our body the symbol of oath promises, <clears throat> is to deprive them of virtue, which consists in the taken by them names, which are to be perceived as promises concealed within our heart in the form of our sons. I want this to see see this in our body. This will happen in reality in the future. He will bring this army to destroy Israel, uh, the Antichrist, and then God will destroy this army of the Antichrist. But I want to show us that if this does not first occur within us, then we will then be a part of this army of Gog because first this army is within us and and so it says that he will come to the mountains of Israel the promises I often say many promises of God in our heart have died this has become a cemetery for promises instead of uh, great uh, palaces in which they live we have left the cemetery and these promises have resurrected and every promise of God lives in our heart or the temple of our body in the wonderful palace. Why? Because we have deprived any shameful thoughts or lusts of any power. The phrase, then I will knock the bow out of your left hand and cause the arrow to fall out of your right hand, written in Ezekiel 39.3, are to be perceived in the groan by his children who will not be ashamed when they will speak with the enemy at the gate. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior. So are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. Psalm 127, 3-5 Upon these mountains of Israel, upon these promises, uh, the devil will be ashamed. We will take from him the name he has claimed for himself. The devil calls himself names of lands, calls himself the name of, of holy people because he has deceived them. But here it is written that before this literal event takes place, uh, signifying the start or this actual event takes place, signifying the start or the beginning of the 1,000-year reign of Christ and his chosen remnant on earth, this, this even is supposed to occur on the mountains of Israel within the temple of our body, which implies the born to us, Mesusela. And you, son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Thus is the Lord God. Behold, I am against you, O Gog, the prince of Rosh, the ruling prince of Meshech and Tubal. And I will turn you around and lead you on bringing you up from the far north and bring you against the mountains of Israel. Ezekiel 39, 1-2. We have victory in our hearts uh, over uh, Gog and his armies. All the judgments that God will be performing in the commitment commemoration of the millennial reign and the commemoration of the new heaven and new earth are called to happen using the revelations which will 
we have clearly written upon the tablets of our heart at the door of the given events. Now when the thousand years have expired, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to the battle whose number is as the sand of the sea. They went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city, and fire came down from heaven out of out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Revelations 27 through 10. Right now we will be praying, preparing our hearts for communion to eat the body of the Lord and drink his blood. And so all those who desire to resist the old nature sin that possibly is binding you lusts illnesses that scare you or circumstances that scare you I want you to come out here to the altar so that you can be victorious over these situations circumstances lusts so that you be ready to worthily take part and eat of the bread and the cup. Amen. Let us pray. We wait for you here at the altar. I will be praying together your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. He is not against you. He looks at you. You are righteous before Him because you have seen your dependence from sin, from lust. He has seen your fear, but you're ready to come to Him. You love Him. You confess your sins. You reject your sins. And so that's why he looks at you and knows you're righteous and wants to restore his relationship with you. Close your eyes, lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without uh, wrath or doubt. Pray together with me, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. You see my pain inflicted by sin, sin that I hate. I hate my lusts, my passions that are sinful. I refuse them, made to be cast into hell. I love you. I love your righteousness. I have accepted your promises, and I keep them in my heart as the apple of my eye. I pray that you 
in the form of your Holy Spirit, would enter into my heart as God and Master. I open up my heart, enter in, and be Lord and Master of my life. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you. May he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they will not touch you. May upon you the promises be and upon your children and the nation shall say, Amen.
Let us listen to the word of God while we stand. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 32 For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, and do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Please be seated. I want to remind us, uh, repeating after our apostle, who has the right to participate in the communion, all people that believe in Jesus Christ and have acknowledged him as their Savior and has testified this by being uh, born again, being baptized in water, uh, also his children, but any children that are uh, 16 uh, years old and older that may have not made a covenant of of baptism of water uh, for whatever reason would probably, I would recommend that you uh, not participate in, in the communion until you do. We need to discern the Lord's body. The Lord, in a unique way, wants to bless our body. He does not just bless us spiritually with spiritual food, spiritual bread. He for some reason, took this physical bread, this material bread, and he wants this material bread to work as spiritual within our body. Because again and again, as pastor has seen as a revelation, the Lord does care about our body, our mortal body, our corrupt body. He cares about it. He wants to fill it with his life and with his resurrection. And he does this when we partake in the communion our spirit receives food, our soul receives food when we renew our mind, but the body, and so this bread, this will represent Christ, because the Lord wants to fill his body, the body of every individual person, with his life. So let us stand together and pray for this blessed body of Christ. Let's stretch out our right hand. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is given to us here today in this bread. And we pray that when this bread passes by your people, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, may all slavery, dependence, may all shackles, may all forms of symptoms, curses be, be destroyed. All of this may it depart from your saints. <clears throat> we pray that death be devoured with your victory 
We thank you for what is in this bread. We thank you for the healing, the resurrection, for the absolute restoration, not just our spirit and soul, but also for our body. We understand and we accept it, our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. And he gave thanks and he broke it. He said, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. The road that is approached, please stand and serve one another and assist. And while we do this, let us remember, as we proclaim the death of the Lord, what is the difference of our between our cross and the cross of Christ? The apostles had presented 12 differences. The difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that he voluntarily gave his life for us. At the same time, we, in carrying our cross, are called to voluntarily reject our life that is our sinful life passed on to us by the conduct of our Father, so we can accept the pure life of Christ that has been given for us upon the cross. See a very big difference. It seems as one cross, one to one uh, tool for 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 death. Uh, the Lord gave us pure life, but we need to lose our sinful life. The Lord doesn't want to take our sinful life. Uh, the Lord wants us to lose it in the in the death of the Lord Jesus, so that it can, when we submerge in the, to the death of the Lord Jesus, He doesn't need our, our cursed life. We need to lose it, deny it, and leave our life in the flesh. As it says in John 10, 17, 18, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. The difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ, at this moment, needed to voluntarily separate from his Father. At the same time, we, carrying our cross, we obtain fellowship with the Father. What a big difference this is. It seems, again, the same cross, the same uh, form of a tool for destruction. We obtain our fellowship with Christ. We are our relationship with Christ as Mark uh, 15.34, And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabbat, which is translated, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The third difference is that Christ, dying for our sin upon the cross, was ashamed, was ridiculed, was mocked, as we, carrying our cross, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we open for us the ability to obtain, instead of shame, joy in the Lord. We didn't see the Lord experiencing joy. He experienced terror and horror 
And so let us not play the role of Christ. Let's fulfill our role. We need to be filled with joy. Even in difficult times, we have hope upon God. We have faith in God. And carrying our cross means to rejoice in God. Fourth difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ suffered for our sins. At the same time, we, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we suffer for the truth. Christ suffered for our sins. We suffer for the truth. First Peter four thirteen fourteen. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Let us now stand and pray for the cup. Please stretch out your hand as a symbol so that we can pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. We pray for this new covenant in the blood of Jesus Christ, and we pray that when it be pa will be passing by your people, that all dependence from sin, all dependence from curses that have come to us, either genetically that have been passed on to us from our fathers, that it be cursed in the name of Jesus Christ. And we pray that your blessing, your life, your godly, heavenly, gen uh, gen genetical line be passed on to us, your genes be passed on to us. We thank you for this life and we accept it. Our great God, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. That road that is approached, please stand and please again assist one another uh, in the taking of the cup. The fifth difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ in his obedience and humility before the will of the Father uh, belittled himself, taking the form of a slave. We carry our cross with the cross of Christ, lose the image of a slave and a sinner, and obtain the image of slaves of righteousness. Big difference. Sixth difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ upon the cross this was his absolute poverty where he lost all power and strength. We carrying our cross with the, and collaborate with the cross of Christ. We open ourselves up to the ability to be rich, enriched uh, with his poverty. Become rich with his poverty, the character of Christ. Seventh difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ, by the means of his suffering on the cross, became an altar that anything that approaches this altar, touches this altar, upon the Golgotha, he became an altar so that we become the offering. And when the offering 
uh, touches the altar or placed on the altar, we become holy. The difference between the cross of Christ and our cross is that Christ dying, dying upon his cross for our sins became food and drink. We, carrying our cross, collaborating with the cross of Christ, uh, quench our spiritual hunger and thirst for God. The saints that carry the, and so their cross, they in Jesus Christ quench their hunger and thirst for God. Ninth difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that for Christ, the cross was the key that opened to him the ability uh, in the in the cross he saw the actions of his of his soul and our carrying our cross with the cross and collaborating with the cross of Christ we have the ability to overcome and triumph be triumphant over our natural essence and so we look at the soul and we beg the lord we plead with the lord so that he allows to be victorious over our soul tenth difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that for Christ his cross was where he lost every uh, one of his virtues. We, carrying our cross, we deny our own personal virtues that we trusted upon, relied upon, and you lose all th these things. We have wh what we need to trust in and rely upon, but we, we die for our nation, the house of our Father, and our destructive desires. And so he lost his virtues. We lose ours for his sake. 11th difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that for Christ, the cross was the only opportunity w with which he was able to destroy the enmity and uh, reconcile uh, people to himself. We, carrying our cross, we become a stumbling block for people that are carnal. They uh, stumble upon us. Christ reconciled the people and so Jesus said, uh, receive my cross. The, this is where the division of the spirit and soul takes place. And the stumbling block will be when we will be upon our cross. And twelfth difference between our cross and the cross of Christ is that Christ carrying his cross demonstrated his love for his church. What we received today, right now, we've eaten and drank. Uh, this is his love for his church. We, collaborating our cross with the cross of Christ, we are called to demonstrate our belonging to God and our responsive love to God and to Christ for his love. Without Christ, without Jesus Christ, without the cross, without Jesus Christ, we'll not be able to do any of this. And so if there's anyone that may have been accidentally passed by, if not, I will ask everyone to stand and we'll finish our service with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.